0: You're Going to Die, the podcast, is brought to you by YG2D, a 501c3 nonprofit bringing diverse communities creatively into the conversation of death and dying, inspiring life by unabashedly sourcing our shared mortality. To find out more, visit www.yg2d.com.
1: Can I just tell you that the way I feel about this episode's guest is best represented by the fact that I am currently holding in my arms my childhood Kermit the Frog stuffy. I kept it after all these years. Healing Muppet vibes coming at you. Hey, welcome to You're Going to Die, the podcast, your creatively conscious mortality podcast. I'm your host, Ned Buskirk. So glad you're here, so good to be in your ear. I am your Muppet host. I do feel like a little Muppet sometimes, especially when I'm around little kids. They stare at my head like it feels like a huge stuffy Muppet head. And it's true, I have big features, my ears stick out. If you've never seen a picture of me before, um, just know that this, <laughs> this cartoony element to my, my being in the world is a real thing that kids confirm. Okay, They can confirm that it's true. Um, And and those of you that know me uh, well enough by now through the work we do, maybe even spaces you've been in with me, you know that, that something about what I'm sharing is true. So I am the good host for this episode's guest. This episode and their work with grief and healing and their use creatively, magically with puppetry and stuffies and holding and softness and fur and furry, soft holding spaces. So Obviously, I need to introduce the guest a little bit uh, more just so you really understand what we're getting into here, and uh, the conversation obviously will help a ton. But I do want to highlight something really important, important for me, important for this episode's guest, and that is how do we make room for grief and for healing during times – in the world that are complicated and often politically charged. And obviously I'm referring most recently, and this is stuff that's always happening in the world, but most recently to what's happened on October 7th and since between Israel and Palestine and what I believe in and what Madison believes in, and actually something that was highlighted in a conversation recently in the episode with Adam Jackson a couple, couple weeks ago is the possibility of finding each other through our grief, finding common ground through our grief, finding peace and healing through our grief that we actually can like really see each other. And we need more spaces where we can actually do that. In Adam Jackson's episode, he talks about on October 7th, they were facilitating an event with men who were from Jewish lineage and Palestinian lineage and what it meant to have them see one another through their grief in that context. And I believe that for the spaces we facilitate, that there is an opportunity for us to see one another wholly and fully and find the humanness and our connecting to each other through what breaks our heart and what that highlights about the things that matter most to us in the world that are often shared things. And I understand it can get complicated when you when you zoom out from there, but I believe in spaces where we zoom into that and create the opportunity for connectedness and remembering we're not alone. And I believe Madison is creating that kind of space too. Madison Durafalco is an immersive installation artist. Puppet, fabricator, and children's book author She is the founder of a project called Holding Space, an art installation Designed to acknowledge grief and community With others using immersive art And puppetry. Her goal is to use Puppetry to build community through immersive Arts and storytelling Love that Madison ever reached out so long ago. We had a great conversation just to trip out on what we both are up to and how the things we do connect. And I followed up with Madison since that conversation and said, we should talk on the podcast. And so thanks to Madison for saying yes to that. And thank you for saying yes to listening to these conversations about things that matter more to me than most anything in the world. Hope you enjoy this episode of You're Going to Die, the podcast with Madison Durafalco.
0: It hasn't been an easy thing for me. Um, The biggest problem I'm running into um, is one of the big elements of of holding space, the project that I do, is... um, having a chance afterwards to debrief and like to talk and like to have a chance to just say how you're feeling. And um, when one person's feelings could completely like invalidate another person's feelings, it, um, it doesn't like make us, there's no way to have a safe space there Um, in a grief context, Mm -hmm. like maybe in some sort of debate or mediation context, you could have that. But if you're just trying to process your own personal feelings. There's not really, um, it's not helpful in that situation. One, one of the things I've been, um, planning on doing, um, and actually today I'm, I'm going to start working on promotion for it is to have, um, a daily meditation like live stream. Um, so that People can and saying it on this podcast will. That means I have to do it. So, uh.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Uh. <laughs> it's been announced officially. officially. <laughs> uh, so. I love the accountability moment right? <laughs> where you're like, if I if I'm gonna just say it, I guess now I gotta fucking do exactly. it. Exactly. You know?
0: um, but yeah, I, I've been personally leaning into meditation quite a lot. Um, I've been meditating every day, and it's kind of like almost like clinging to it in some ways, but I do find it's very helpful and it helps me reconnect with my, um, like the actual truth of the present moment. Um, so, so that's Mm -hmm. something I I do think can be offered without, um, like fear of having to like, you know, navigate a space or put some really, I have a big fear of doing harm. Like I'm not a um, therapist. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I don't ever pretend to be. an I partner with therapists very often. Um, so there is somebody who is more qualified to handle that kind of thing. Um
2: mm-hmm.
0: And so I I really want to make sure that I'm offering things that I know I'm capable of um, off, offering ethically. Um, so I think holding mm-hmm. space and reminding people of mindfulness and compassion is sort of where I'm personally leaning towards at the moment.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm thinking of your mom and her meditation practice. Do you feel like a connection, it coming into your life because of her? Or did you both maybe find that separately? And do you maybe what I picked up um, from that part of your story and dead pen is that your mom started practicing meditation um, after your dad died and maybe because of that, do you do you relate to it? Is that kind of how you found that? that practice? That's
0: funny. That's a funny question. Um, actually I've, I've been into meditation for a strangely long time.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Okay. I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. I'm like, your mom picked it up from you. I
0: I think maybe I, so I showed her headspace. Um, and Mm -hmm. that's a great gateway meditation tool. Um,
1: yeah. Like the app. Yes. Yes. The
0: app headspace. Mm -hmm. And now she's like, Mm she uses use headspace like every day now it's been like what four years and she still uses. I'm so proud mm-hmm. of her. She's like really, um, mm-hmm. she's like from South Jersey. Like that was not part of her upbringing. Um, that wasn't like, I, I who knows if it was even talked about, you know? Um, mm-hmm. so it's really cool that she like found, found something useful in it. Um, but mm-hmm. I, I've meditated for a long time. but I've never had such a regular practice. Like I'll have like spurts of um, like most, like many meditators, uh, you Mm -hmm. know, spurts where you do it a lot and then others
1: where you, yeah, (laughs) Yeah, that sounds familiar to me. Yeah, totally. Um, Um,
0: But I went to Japan um, last month and um, it really inspired me. Um, I went to this, this uh, town called Koyasan. um, And it's like a Buddhist pilgrimage, um, uh, town. And I, I, we got to stay in a temple and, um, you know, join Buddhist ceremonies and, and see like monks, like practicing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just very mm-hmm. inspiring. And I wanted to, and plus a few other things, but I don't have to go too
1: deep into it, but, uh. <laughs> Only if you want to, I mean, you know, if you want to, but I want to acknowledge the, the, What I imagine is really valuable and I think something you articulated during a time where things are so complicated and dense, not just for ourselves Mm. personally, but when we think about like global community and community in general, um, like we've been speaking to just to have some place that's reliable for returning us to things that are simple or some kind of simple perspective or simple clarity Mm -hmm. and feeling the need right now, especially after being on Instagram for any amount of time for the space where I get that Mm -hmm. right now, how valuable that is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think that the, I, and I wonder if this connects to your holding space and I want to give, give a moment right now for you to describe that, that project, the meditation space, just to really clarify that you're wanting to, start promoting is that place of like, well, this specifically for sure is a, how much room can we hold? Mm-hmm. Here's a way for us to hold it all and we can do it together. And it's not a, like a bunch of engaging ideas necessarily, right. or us speaking things to other people's grief. Um, it's about making room where we can feel mm-hmm. it and feel it together, but not complicate it necessarily with a lot of, a lot of talking.
0: Yeah, for sure. I think so. Um, I've been mm-hmm. really into listening this month um, mm-hmm. I'm really like finding a lot of strength and power in listening, and that's been the cool. Uh, that's been the best thing that's happened this month for me. Is um, me too. Yeah, it's been really great to really see how much can be shifted when you don't talk. <laughs> so being on this mm-hmm. podcast is interesting because I'm in a talking position,
1: but um, this week I've been <laughs> yeah. like listening. But well, you listened all month until now. Yes. <laughs> no, it's perfect timing. Perfect follow up. Right. <laughs> but you do have so much to speak to and, 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 and I understand that like how valuable it is to just listen. And I, I do think most of my work is that creating spaces to like receive and integrate other people's experiences. And it seems like that's your work is informed by that too. Um, so it, it there's a couple mo- possibilities right now. I think, First, I guess I want to go maybe a little further back than holding space and and that the inception of that concept, um, and and maybe go to some of the losses that I actually didn't even know all of them until I read your book Dead Pen, um, and and just wondering if there's a way to s- be with that for a second and share some of that part of your life and and then the bridge into the work that you do is it that definitively connected.
0: Uh yeah, it it is. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. I mean, in yeah.
0: s- in some ways, I suppose it isn't because um, I was doing uh, I was interested in immersive art before that, and I was definitely um, uh, into service work or like um, I did a lot of nonprofit work um in my life for like volunteering. So it's a culmination, of course, like anything is. But I think mm-hmm. the grief element was definitely um triggered by the loss of my dad in 2019. And, um, -hmm. at that same time, I just had, um, it was sort of like one of those things that happened, I guess, I guess it's a thing that happens to people, um, that aren't me. And then it happened to me and it was like, Oh, I guess this can happen to anybody. Um, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> First hard lesson some of us get earlier than others. Yes, I'm like who out there is still just like that just happens to everybody else. Yeah, because I do feel like it is like a demographic. Um, I, but yeah, and and thank God people.
0: you know like um mm-hmm. that's good. I for, mean geez yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't wish it. But I also you know the, no, of course not. <laughs> but also the value of being someone who knows, yeah. like so that you you would be anyone who would go into this work you done, had yeah. done for years already and say, well, how can I use this, mm-hmm. this talent, this work, this commitment to that, uh, medium to hold people, mm-hmm. you know, um, you wouldn't have got, you don't get there without the need for it yourself.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so my dad had, I, I just realized I didn't say what actually happened, but my dad died. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and yeah, then, please, um, you. Uh, and my, and then my, well, my grandpa had died slightly before that. And then my dad, mm-hmm. um, and then his best friend, his best friend's father, who I was very close with. It was my godfather in a way. Um, mm-hmm. And um, my grandma. And then um, also a co-worker. Um, not in that order, but, um, you know, you lose track. Um, yeah,
1: right. But, uh, all within a few years or even less?
0: Yeah, all within a year and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, and without, with the exception of my grandpa, it was all within a year. So, mm-hmm. um, th- But it seemed... Significant because um, that to include my grandpa, because it was um, it, it was it was all but with the exception of my friend, um, it was all people from my dad's like side. Um, so that was like, a, you know, then we lost like yeah. my grandparents house. And, um, you know, there it's just like this one mm. community has suffered so many losses at once. And it's the people that you depend on the most. And mm-hmm. they're going through it with you. So it's like, oh, like we all are doing our best, but sometimes it's like not good enough um, for each Mm -hmm. other. And you just have to kind of like get through the day a bit. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So that was, so that was kind of, um, it wasn't immediate. I actually didn't really post anything about it or like I didn't you know sometimes people post like little memorials on their mm-hmm. instagrams I didn't do anything of that nature I just kind of like I was I was working on a project called the puppet room um which was like a burning man art installation and I had been for years i had been trying to make this happen I was like okay I'm gonna like bring my art to burning man yeah. um and then you know August would come around and be like all right next year it's gonna happen <laughs> um <laughs> And that happened like three or four times. And so finally I got my stuff together and like, I got, um, the money for it. I got a team, I got a concept. It was drawn out. We figured out all of it. And that's, that's like right when my dad died. Mm -hmm. Um, so I had the choice to either continue with that project or to, uh, not, I guess. And I, um, I ended up using that as like a really big, um, outlet because I couldn't make sense of, um, what was happening in any kind of, uh, coherent way. (laughs)
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Um, so I, so I really just threw myself into this, um, into this project. And when we got back from COVID, so, so then Burning Man didn't happen for a couple of years because of COVID COVID. And, um, when we finally came back, I was like, you know, everybody is really going through so much grief. Um, and I, was I was like, oh well, we should do a grief circle in the puppet room.
1: Well, now uh, for, first of all, with the puppet room, you yeah. did end up getting to do it at Bernie Man.
2: Yes. Uh
1: after your dad died. Can you for cause I cause what I love about what you what I even got from your book and what I feel like happened for me with You're Going to Die. And what I feel like you're describing right now mm. is how the ways we're already artistic or being creative just ends up being the vessel. Like, it's mm. just like unavoidable that it's gonna end up there. And you talk about this in your book, acknowledging like the power of using art to express like our experience and um, articulate it uniquely and and in such needed ways, right? Um, just for ourselves, but also then to have it witnessed by others. So I think it would matter a lot to hear the puppet room kind of bring break down for me what the puppet room was in that first iteration at Bernie man. And then so seeing the connection to how you knew immediately coming out of COVID, you could use that same space, but especially for grief.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. Um, Yeah. So the puppet room and I, this design happened before, um, you know, any, any of this grief sort of, uh, you know, started impacting my life. Um, I was doing it in partner, with my friend, John Vermilia, he's an amazing artist. Um, and, and, and other artists too, that were helping me with this project. Um, and also the camp that I, that I go to Burning Man with. Um, but, uh, yeah, so it was, it's basically like a, um, a 10 by 30 room that has, um, It sort of looks like outside, but it's inside. So it's like got a cave and it's got like crystals and, um, it's got, uh, things that are supposed to be trees. It was, it's supposed to build on itself every year. Um, so it's supposed to look like you're outside, but you're in a room. And then you're also in a desert. So (laughs) it's sort of just like this very (laughs) silly space and it's inhabited by like little puppet creatures. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, one of the things about Burning Man is, um, well, first of all, there's a lot of like participation, uh, implicit in it. And also like, you want to go and like have fun and do things. So all of the, I was like, well, I don't want to have to like do a show. I'm also not as much of a puppeteer. Like I can do it, but it's not like the thing that, you know, pulls me yeah. to build puppets. Mm-hmm. Um, So I was like, I don't want to have to like organize people to put on a show and like wait for people to walk in. And like so um, so we designed everything in the room to be interactive. And so one of the things we created were these these little um, guardians and they look like little furry lumps. Like they're really like cute and they got big eyes. Um, And then you put your hands in their hands and you can like lean back on them. And then it kind of looks like they're like making fun of you behind them. Like they've got like uh, Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> um, but they also like can hug you. Mm. Like they're like they're like little hugging, because mm-hmm. they're like kind of like almost like the big spoon. Like you're like laying yeah, on them. Yeah, and then- you
1: pull the, you pull the hands in and their arms will wrap you.
0: Yes, yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um so so there's all these like v- it's very cozy. And I think this is already my inclination, but I think because of the grief element we were going towards, it was kind of designed to be a place to just like rest. Mm-hmm. Chill. Um, yeah. To just yeah. chill because it, it can be a lot. It's like a very um, difficult place to be um, at times. Mm-hmm. And so it's like my, my thought was like, what's the perfect place to be if you're completely exhausted and like, you have to like, walk all the way back to the other side of the city, um, you know, like, where do I want to land? You know,
1: (laughs) is there like music playing in there or nature sounds? Is there those elements too?
0: There's a fire crackling. Mm -hmm. Um, so the, the little guardians are sitting, um, around like a fire Mm -hmm. and there's like a fire noise. Um, and that's, oh, and then there's like these little other creatures that are kind of like giggling. They're like those fingerling Uh toys.
1: I don't even remember Is there someone in the wall doing this stuff or are they like (laughs) animated like mechanics making them giggle or they just have noises like little speakers in them? Yeah,
0: those... Those ones are, um, like they're truly like, the the I'm just loving
1: being in the world (laughs) right now. So it's like, we get to the grief and dying. It just feels really nice actually to be (laughs) chilling in this room (laughs) that you've created. Oh my gosh. All right. So sorry. I wish you could be there. Yeah, totally. Maybe someday. Uh, So with the, with the little, yeah. So are there, are those little creatures in the walls like somehow animated or moving or making noises?
0: Yeah, they 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 they're these toys called Fingerlings that were like really popular back then. Okay. Which were really like stupid funny little toys. So I thought it was funny also that they were these toys and then I like changed their skin, like I put fur on them and like I painted see. them and like mm-hmm. and then so they would the speaker is like, "Oh!" and they like kind of turn around with their <laughs> yes, heads. Yes, yes. Um uh so they kind of like are inside it's just, yeah, nothing, nothing in there needs another person. I like, see. So everything in there you can be one.
1: It. It's like, it's happening. You could go yeah. in there and chill. You're not, yes. no one's like on the job. It's set up to be right. happening and you can actually make it more interactive, but you just got to yes. decide you want to do that if you're in there. Yeah.
0: yeah, like some people have gone in there and have just like fallen asleep and just yeah. rested. Mm-hmm. And then other people, you'll go past there and there's like a whole show happening. Mm-hmm. And like there's like a stand up comedian in there practically like puppeteering these puppets, you know? <laughs> yeah. um, so I think play is like a really big element of mm. the work that
1: I do. Yeah. Um, I think it's really important yeah. to like make space to play. Did you feel like with that finally happening? How was your dad in it right away before you'd gotten to the part of the evolution of Puppet Room that that shifted into being explicitly like grief? Like, how do you remember it being like, did it, was it a way to engage with your dad? Like, you know, Mm. was there, was there elements inspired by him or was it also, I mean, fair enough, like a distraction, like you're just working on this thing, getting it done and you want a place to chill, not to be like grief stricken actually, but like have fun and play and chill.
2: Uh,
0: I think it's a combination of many of the things you just said. Mm -hmm. Um, There were definitely elements that started to take on meaning because everything was designed ahead of time, but the detailed choices I would make, like I made, I made one of the, like there's like this crystal in there and you put your head in the crystal and you can like lay down. And that's where the little like fingerling creatures are like, kind of like giggling. Yeah. Um, And that turned into um, very, my dad's favorite color was purple Mm. and it turned into like an amethyst. Mm -hmm. Um, And that, that like particular part feels Mm -hmm. very, connected to my dad. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, <clears throat> What's your dad's but name? He
0: also... Oh, John. John. Uh-huh. Yeah. And uh, he would... Um, he was just, like, also a very silly person. Um, and, like, I get a lot... Like, he taught me how to build stuff, and um, yeah. we just, like, have a ton in common. Um, and so it's, like, inherently very like him, because... Um, well once once your parent dies, I've heard other people say this that um, you you like you kind of are like, Oh, I'm just I'm exactly like them and I didn't realize I was copying them like my whole life. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. So I think there was like parts of that mm. where like um you know, and I'm like my mom too. It's like sure. you know, that's yeah. the thing about
1: it. Yeah. Uh, so but also like a way of I, I almost wonder if that thought comes with their absence, and so then, like somehow, mm-hmm. we can even even if it's unconscious, but we like connect to them through the way that we're like literally somehow mm-hmm. a product of who they are, and and I just think about that with my mom. Even some of my more annoying traits, you know, it feels like <laughs> a little bit of like, well, this is lineage, you know, like this is, this is like my OCD about the living room not having shit everywhere is, is, <laughs> part, is part of the inheritance. And so then a little bit of the honoring, you know, um, them mm-hmm. and that it becomes more clear right in the absence because that's yeah. what's left is us right being a, being right. some version of them. Yeah. So you, so by the way, just to acknowledge after all that last, uh, all that loss, then COVID, you know, and just, just the Mm -hmm. significance of that coming out of such a grief stricken period for you into like double, you know, grief, uh, with, with COVID. Mm -hmm. Um, so I imagine the puppet room, even getting back to creating that space that I imagine was so wonderful for you was really difficult. And so it's like all that stuff, the confluence of all that is the then to the next iteration of it, which is this like holding space, this grief, grief space.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And actually when I, um, when I installed the puppet room again for the year when we came back, um, I was like totally fine. And then I, um, I like opened up a, a rug and it was almost like, like this, like, grief dust like blew on me mm. or something and I just like lost mm. it like I uh, I was like oh that rug <laughs> um
1: You know, all I have room for here in the middle of this episode, like we make time for regularly to encourage you to support the podcast and our nonprofit and all the things we're up to in the world. You know what? I don't want to do any of that today. I don't want to tell you to rate and review the show. I don't want to tell you to join our Patreon community. I don't want to tell you to share the episode with your friends. I don't want to tell you to contribute to our 501c3 nonprofit. I'm not telling you to do any of that. All I want to say is, Thank you for being in the world so that I, through a podcast like this, because I know you're there and I saw our, our recap for 2023 for the podcast and how much we've grown and how much we've connected a new community. I just want you to know, like you being here, listening to me, it gives my life meaning. It reminds me that I matter. It makes me feel more alive in the most meaningful of ways. So all that is to say, thank you for listening to You're Going to Die, the podcast.
0: I think also, um, like the reason I think I lean towards the, don't be not to be dramatic sort of language, uh, personally, and everybody interprets things differently. There's no wrong way to do it. Um, part of the reason I do that is because, um, it's actually not dramatic. It's actually quite common. Um, and so to list six people close to you that have died, um, is so uncomfortable, but, um. But it shouldn't be because what I learned from this experience is that um, so many more people are grieving than there's not. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's sort of why I, I lean into that kind of language just
1: yeah. to normalize it. A yeah, bit. that's good. Yeah, I appreciate mm-hmm. that. Yeah. So you roll the rug out. Mm-hmm. And by then, yeah. <laughs> are you like grief space, holding space? You know, like when did the oh. next iteration come clear?
0: Yeah. So, so we had this, um, so we had this grief circle. Um, and, uh, when people were in that space, it started off with everybody kind of playing. Um, everybody was sort of like, we had these like bandanas that had eyeballs on them and like, people are putting them on and like, it's like, Oh, I'm the puppet. You know, it's like very silly. Uh, you know, and I was with a group of friends, so we felt pretty comfortable around each other also. Um, but, it, but yeah, having this, like, we started off with like laughter and like we started off with like a playful space. Um, and I think the invitation to, let, let me start when, when something happens to everybody in the world or like everybody in the world has to bear witness to something, um, it could be a war or pandemic, but it could also just be going to work every day Mm -hmm. and, um, and capitalism. Yeah. And, Um, and. you know, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Uh Unregulated capitalism, I should say. uh Um, Mm. and, uh, when everyone else is going through that and maybe people have it worse than you, definitely people have it worse than you. Um, there's an inclination to say, um, to not take up the space, to, to not want to impose on anyone because you know, they're all going through it as well. So when you offer a space to acknowledge this thing that's going, that's happening to everybody, you know, literally everyone, you know, in the entire world is experiencing this thing. Um, and saying, but I have my own story. Like I have my thing that I'm dealing with. Um, I think that that is, um, it was just so welcome and Mm -hmm. people were just like hungry for it. Mm -hmm. Um, And mixing that acknowledgement with a space where you can kind of like separate yourself from it a little bit, you kind of lose your ego because you have this like creature that's behind you and like you're kind of projecting onto that. I think it really helps. um, It really helps to be able to talk about something in the way that you normally might not. Yeah, And that's what, that's where holding space came from. Mm. I was like, I want to bring that to, um, to the real world Mm -hmm.
1: and like, have that be a regular practice that I'm like a part of. Mm. Yeah. I was talking with someone recently about Halloween being this time where we could put a mask on and become someone else. And I understand that that, that could be true for some people. Um, I under I understand that perspective of dress up too, you know, like costume. Mm -hmm. But I also had this immediate reaction to that thinking that sometimes us having the option to put a mask on is because it might amplify some part mm-hmm. of who we are that we don't get to give voice to enough. And so I wonder if that's kind of what you're speaking to, you know, I, and I think of you in the little ways I know you too is like really talented at, at, at dress up and costume. And, <laughs> and and so no surprise your inclination to like Burning Man, even just for that reason. And I'm sure other, re- many other reasons too. But um feeling that when I talked to you the first time trying to get what this space was like, uh, thinking now of it in those terms, right. It's like getting something to put on, to help like give voice to that thing that we're actually even not as a culture, really great at doing, um, in general, but that you're this, this, this gives us that, right. Do you, do you? Yeah. yeah Okay, great. (laughs) Yes.
0: I love that. That's so helpful actually. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's great for me um, uh, to hear that back from you, um, because that is one of the parts that is like most essential to the holding space project. um, And it's the most intangible part. It's like very difficult to communicate. Yeah. Um, so it's nice to have you uh, reflect that back. Yeah. So thank you. <laughs> I, I, I
1: know, you're welcome. Uh, I know I know that it's hard, partly because I've talked to you multiple times and I still feel like I'm trying to get close to this experience when I talk to you. I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, here's another question. And there is one. <laughs> I have another question. I'm wondering, can you describe like a moment in the grief in, in the holding space, it's called holding space, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Can you describe a moment or an exchange that really stands out for you as an example of what you feel is possible in that mm-hmm. kind of container? And I'm like, I have someone making a weird voice. Like I'm imagining, I think I even said this to you when we first talked, I'm imagining someone speaking in a cartoon voice, trying to, cry you know or like talk about loss in character and I think when I I can I already feel like that's not the way this space (laughs) operates so I'm like can you give me can you give me your example an example
0: yeah (laughs) well actually since you mentioned that um the puppets don't have mouths um
1: like, li- so like not, big... not, it's not even just they don't open. It's like, there's literally not a, yeah.
0: Yeah. There's no mouse. So, um, I have one like peripheral puppet that does have a mouth. He kind of slipped in there before <laughs> I like, before I decided yeah, that was a you design do, you element. You talk about
1: these, these, pe- these yeah. beings as, as yeah. like real entities too. Do you relate to them as such?
0: Uh, they're, they're real in the sense of like, um, like what you're saying where a costume is like a piece of you that can be amplified.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but I don't like picture them necessarily in what, like the, more like metaphorically. Yeah, I think. Okay.
1: Um, but you'd be like, he kind of but- slipped in at the last minute. Cause it's this one, this one of them was like, okay, one of us has to be able to talk, you know, <laughs> yeah. and you're just like, all right, you're in.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's definitely room for that. I think. Yeah. Yeah. That one's also, um, it's funny cause he's like a little caterpillar. So he really would have slipped in. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah like- under, the crack,
1: <laughs> under the crack of the door. Aww. Okay. So no yeah. mouths on most of the, and do you call them puppet? Yes. I mean, puppets.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, specifically guardians is like the, uh, um, yes, good. if there was a, uh, like a breed of puppet, mm-hmm. but, um, but they, uh, yeah, I designed them. They don't have mouths and, um, there's like a whole lore that goes with the guardians. So when you come into the space, um, after some sort of getting to know you stuff, like we kind of introduce everybody to each other, there's a, um, all, like an experience, like it's like a meditative experience. Um, so, it starts out by introducing the space and like what the space is, and like this is like the home of these guardians that are um, that inhabit this place, and uh, they don't have they don't have mouths, and um, so they can't like. Oh, I'm sorry, they're telepathic. First of all, <laughs> okay, great. So, but they're only telepathic if you have your hands in their hands. Mm-hmm. So. Whenever they're connected to you, they know what you need. They know, like, mm-hmm. if you need a hug, they know if you need to rub your heart space. They know if you need to just sit there and not do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they don't have mouths, so no matter what they're reading in your mind, however messed up it is, or however like it's stupid it seems, um, they're not going to tell anybody. Um, they can't. So um, that's that's how we started off and even though you know it's saying it in here I'm like oh like without being in that space it's like so it seems so uh I don't know but (laughs) what
1: I mean like what does it seem like because I'm just like oh yes now I'm closer to it (laughs) like I'm super pumped (laughs) so just you know on my end I'm like feeling it what are you worried about Um, getting away from or yeah
0: just just that I wouldn't want anyone to be uh, like scared away from it mm-hmm. without being in, I think being yeah, totally. in the space s- softens it up.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and yeah,
1: that's right.
0: It's, I call it passive puppetry because, um, I want it to be extremely passive. Like I don't feel comfortable in situations where it's like, all right, now everybody stand up and move your body. Like, like we're going to like things <laughs> like that. Like I don't yeah, like, like those situations.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, oh, no, yeah. Hell no. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, um, so Mm. I try to make it, you can be, you can be invisible fly on the wall. Like you can even be like kind of out of sight because these things are like furry and they're big and you can kind of hide hide in them. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Mm. so when you add on like the, uh, the lore around them, it might come off as like something that you have to be like a hundred percent bought into and it's not necessary. Um, You kind of buy into like whatever, whatever level that you're, you know, comfortable with. And hopefully you get something out of it. And if not, you get to lay down for 20 minutes. Yeah,
1: like on soft material. (laughs)
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So So. a couple other questions, if it's okay, unless I keep cutting you off from like some trajectory that you're feeling.
0: No, not, not yet.
1: Okay, good. Just call me out if I'm cutting you off. (laughs) Are you reading that lore? Is it a recording that plays overhead? Is there someone that's a guide, like dressed up in a certain way to like bring people in?
0: Um, It is me uh, reading the lore. Um, I usually have, well, not usually, but I sometimes have a therapist with me. um, And uh, in the past, they've said something sort of along the lines of like, Uh, almost like an educational about grief. Like this is like ways it might present itself. This is um, all normal reactions or things of that nature.
1: So you, yeah. So, okay. So you will read the lore. I kind of feel like hearing it. Like hearing it? Yeah, kind of.
0: It is um, long. Like it's not super long, but it's like, um, you know, it's a 20 minute experience. okay. Yeah, I better
1: not do that now.
0: Yeah. Um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but I appreciate the curiosity. Yeah, totally,
1: it's great. Cause it's like, this is yeah. what you want, right? You want people to be like, yeah. I wanna go in there. Um,
0: Cause it has an arc. Like, so the beginning is introducing the concepts. So I can kind of give you cliff Yeah, notes. sure, sure. And um, and and then through the experience, you're kind of like reminded um, of the purpose of these guardians and that they're there to hold the space for you. Um, but you're really, you know, it's it's all work you can do yourself. Yeah. Um, so, so it's, it ha- it has an arc of, um, introducing these things that are there to kind of guide you and take care of you. And then towards the end, reminding you that you don't like, you don't need this whole production to hold space for mm, these things.
1: Yeah. That's mm-hmm. cool. That's good. Mm-hmm. Do you think about your own grieving after your dad died, especially, but after all that loss as being less verbal? and more kind of nonverbal and maybe even like creative, you know, cause I'm just, you know, you can imagine maybe in the little ways, you know, me and, and even my event space, it's like, come on in, we're going to share a lot. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk, we're going to tell the stories, we're going to read the poem, we're going to sing a song. And I feel like that's in contrast to what you're offering. Not that that stuff can't happen in that space and maybe does sometimes, but that it is a little more like you you don't have, you know, this is, it's almost like a, yeah. I mean, it's just more nonverbal.
0: I love these questions you're asking because it's helping me uh, see things that maybe I like see subliminally or subconsciously. Um, But yeah, I guess it is, I guess it isn't very verbal. I sometimes find that when um, I try to say something verbally it can make it feel um, like poof, it's gone. You know, like it's, uh, it's like touching too close to the thing. Like, have you ever had um, uh, like a lucid dream or even like meditating? And as soon as you like realize you're lucid dreaming, you wake up. Yeah. Yeah. or, like, as soon as you realize, like, oh, I'm not thinking, you're like, oh, now, well, that was
1: thinking. Yeah, you I, know. Did. I I had a uh, <laughs> lucid dream where it was all I did when I just first started doing it was I just started eating Cheetos out of the TV. And I was so excited that I just <laughs> must have got a bunch of adrenaline. Anyway, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So suddenly it's just like, oh my gosh, this is happening. Bop. Yeah.
0: Yes. Yeah. I think, too, and I like, find when that you with, share
1: things with yeah. words, it gets you farther away, especially with others.
0: Mm hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Trying to. Yeah. yeah.
0: So I think. I think that's definitely a part of it is, uh, yeah, sometimes it, and sometimes if you have the moment to do something nonverbal, like drawing or like meditating, um, or just experiencing art, you know, it helps you find the words better. So when you do have the chance to reflect, they are more available to you and it does, it gives a little satisfaction, Mm -hmm. um, more than if you just started trying to say it right off the bat. Yeah.
1: And then I think too, with your work, it's like you said, with unrolling that rug that y- your inclination maybe in some ways is as much to tend to the body as it is to tend to the like thoughts mm-hmm. and, you know, mind of it, even, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Because we, how, we don't rest enough mm-hmm. um, in general, m- most of us. Yeah. So to have the opportunity to make space to rest is important
1: will you have people in these spaces though, start to share, you know, would you have a prompt where someone's like, well, let's talk about, you know, like what grief is going on for you?
0: Yeah. So that's, that's kind of how, so we do the like getting to know you a little bit in the beginning, then we have the whole meditative experience with the lore and whatnot. Um, And then there's reflection for like 20 minutes. So you can draw, write, Or you can just lay there, Um, and then anybody who wants to talk is, um, invited to, and it's not required. It's just like, you can say pass, whatever. Uh, so yeah, people do end up talking at the end.
1: Do you find in those spaces that you lead some of those moments with your own personal sharing?
0: I, I've been, I, I, it's a balance. I try not to because, um, if I get too emotionally uh, engaged, it makes it difficult to hold the space for other people mm-hmm. um, because th- I'm, I'm there in that moment to um, uh, to be there for somebody yeah. a little bit more. Yeah. Um, so, so I, ch- I tend to try not to, sometimes I do is like a little introductory. Like I kind of say how um, I kind of tell the story of how it got started But when it comes to like a sharing circle, I usually kind of, I'm like, well, I told my story already. Yeah.
1: Right. I kind of duck out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. How was doing it that first time for you? And did it feel like awfully different from the puppet room when you first came to Burning Man?
0: It's, it's still, um, so I've been doing this for a little over a year now, um, And well, I guess it's been a year of actually holding, like doing the installation because I had to build it first. Um, So it's still fairly fresh Mm -hmm. and um, I'm still getting glimpses of how I want it to be. There'll be moments where it's like perfect and I'm like, this is exactly what this is intended for. I'm so happy. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there's other moments where I'm like, huh, I guess like, like babies don't need this space. Like. You know, like
1: <laughs> There's like things that I've yeah, learned Wait, like is um, that because people just fucking Brought their babies in or because you're like Let's try it with babies
0: So I, I at first <laughs> I was bringing it to, As like a pop-up um, to festivals Yeah, and right, so, so
1: then it's fair pu- game puppet f- Yeah
0: Yes. And, and at puppet festivals, it was, um, mm. it, it surprisingly attracted children.
1: <laughs> <laughs> like what the hell? I didn't expect, <laughs> I didn't expect a it's, line it's, of kids to want to come in here.
0: <laughs> it's so funny. Cause I truly didn't. Um, mm. that's like crazy. Well, it's funny, um, it's both
1: a no brainer that you would want to do it there and maybe even like connect to community and network and, and, and be inspired, you know, and probably even inform the space by seeing other puppetry and other exhibits, right. Right. Or other spaces. And like very clearly what I love about it in the context of Burning Man, right. Is that you're trying to create something that we as adults aren't getting enough of. Right. And, and Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, so it's, so I can, I've done it in different ways. Like sometimes a lot of times it ends up just being a, um, like a quiet space. People can kind of take a break. Um, and that's kind of cool because a lot of like neurodiverse people have been attracted to it. And I really liked that. Mm -hmm. Um, but ideally you're having like this more like a direct experience where you feel safe. When you're in a big group like that, it's hard to open up or like to get in the mindset because people are coming in and out. It's like not um, conducive to it. Mm -hmm. So I've learned, I've learned a lot about the um, the ways it's used best. And what I'm really working towards is I'd really like it to be um, in like corporations I'd like it to be bereavement support or like permanent installations with companies that kind of align with this sort of thing already, mm-hmm. um, or semi permanent. But uh, I think that's like the best use of the space is to have some sort of like uh, easy access or like a if if you were experiencing grief at work in any form, um, loss that you could like come downstairs or wherever it would be and like you know take. 15, 20 minutes to just you know be in a different space that is that the the company you're at is saying we acknowledge this and we want this for you mm-hmm. and that's what I'd really that's that's like my big uh, that's what I'm reaching for yeah
1: that's wonderful mm-hmm. yeah do you feel other doorways have kind of opened up that connect to the specific purpose of I imagine the meditation project if that's the right word to use like that endeavor. Mm-hmm is, is like, I feel it's the, one of the branches off of this work, you know?
0: Yeah. Meditation's a huge element of it. And I think that's also what has, um, inspired me to get more serious about my practice. Um, also it's just so helpful. Um, I was reading a book by, uh, Roshi Joan Halifax. Yeah. You might, Uh yeah. Yeah. Uh, she's obviously, well, she's a big, uh, uh, grief advocate and, um, And I was reading uh, Standing at the Edge, Mm -hmm. her book. Um, And the whole time I was reading it, I was just like, I need more of this. Like, this is like what I need in my life, Mm -hmm. like every day. Mm -hmm. Um, And I hadn't been able to find it. And then having that trip last month um, kind of like solidified, like, oh, yeah, this is like what it would look like Um, to see examples is so important. Um, But yeah, I think I think like a mindful compassion exercise is just like uh, essential kind of.
1: In life. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) absolutely. We need more of it. I mean, it is that way you describing the holding space room in contrast to what it means to like work and be in the throes of capitalism. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like we deserve at a minimum like spaces if we're going to keep doing that work, you know, if we're Mm going to keep having to like go through that grind. Um, and, and I uh, very immediately, like I've talked about many times on the show, just feel the like, there there isn't room for that at work and get back to the work as soon as possible. And mm-hmm. like, we don't deal with that stuff either. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I love that concept of really bringing it into those spaces too, um, to just have it be like, like you said earlier, like normalized, this is, yeah. this is yours, you're supposed to have it.
0: And it meant so much to me. Um, I worked at a company called BRC um, and they, when, when our coworker died, they really made an effort to um, give us space, you know, it's still a company and everything. Mm -hmm. So they have to like, you know, you still have to answer emails or whatever, but they really made an effort to um, like let us leave early and like they brought people in and they offered like, you know, yoga and different things. Uh, and it just goes such a long way, these Mm -hmm. like little, um, gestures and it makes you really like loyal to your company, you know, because you're like, I don't want to leave a place that's going to treat me like a human. Um, and that's, what's kind of like, so it's, it seems so obvious yet. It's not a common practice. Um, so to kind of, and I think people that are younger um, are even even people like the generation under me are just so much more aware of this sort of thing, and it I I see it you know arcing in that direction. Yeah,
1: um, me so, too. Yeah, I mean yeah. it's mostly young people for for many years at, at the open mics. It's like that's mainly who's mm-hmm. showing up there, and who mm-hmm. is like more clear like the pendulum swing at least from my parents mm-hmm. into like from them not really speaking at all about grief or the hard things they're going through with anyone, keeping Mm -hmm. it very private to like my generation. And for me in my lineage, just being the extreme opposite of that, which is like, can I talk about this all the time as much Mm -hmm. as possible? You know, (laughs) Um, (laughs) I imagine my kids (laughs) will be seeing some other version of that pendulum swing, but it feels so important um, to me that you're doing this work in a culture that feels like ill for not having it enough. And like you said, like, what are those monsters that wait if we don't make more room soft and kind and um, stop soft, soft and kind holding, you know, for mm-hmm. us to like be with those parts of us that need attention and yeah. not getting enough attention. Yeah. Thanks mm-hmm. Madison. Oh man. Yeah. Knowing where you wish it could go, which you've shared a little Mm -hmm. bit about, there might be more to say about that, by the way, like what's your like big dream for this or a next new thing for this, um, a new iteration or new place for it. And then also like, what is, what's needed to get there for you?
0: Yeah. Um, well, one thing that I thought of while you were that where you were saying that, and thank you for asking so directly, it's like really nice of you. Mm, Um, one thing I thought of when you are saying that was, um, one, one of the elements I'm very interested in is, uh, along with like, uh, bereavement support is also advocacy support. Um, there's, uh, so many people in helping professions or in advocacy roles, or even just in helping roles. Like if you're taking care of somebody who's sick, um, or dying, uh, to be able to offer holding space to those communities, um, is something I really would, that I'm really trying to do. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that when you're, it's the same, it's the same thing we were talking about earlier when, when everyone you know is going through a similar trauma or like a similar day-to-day experience because of the work that they do. Um, it's easy to not take the time that you're offering to other people. So to be able to offer holding space to people that are holding spaces for other people. I mean, I imagine the, like, something that's coming into mind is just, um, uh, I like just an emphasis. There's just been an emphasis in my life recently on, um, on compassion and kind of like tying this, I guess with a bow from what we talked about at the beginning of the conversation. Um, and, the seriousness of the world right now. Um, taking time to look at situations that you might find yourself in. Um, and it doesn't have to be about the state of the world. It can be for anything. Um, but to look... At, so in in that book I was talking about, Roshi Joan Halifax's book, um, she, and I'm I'm paraphrasing, but she was saying compassion is like looking at a situation and, um, deciding what's best for everyone in this situation, you know? Um, and that might mean not saying anything. It might mean like stepping away. It might mean like going out and doing something. Um, it might mean listening. Um, but whatever it is taking a moment before you make a decision or make up your mind about something or whatever the case. And, um, leading with compassion, even if you might make the wrong decision, even if it's not, it ends up it wasn't the most compassionate choice. Um, If you're leading with compassion, you're going to make a better choice than if you aren't.
1: to Madison for being on the show being in this conversation with me it meant a lot to talk to you Madison and if you want to connect to Madison I'm going to just put so many links in the show notes and I think it's probably the safest safest, I don't know about safest but it's the easiest way to connect to Madison and what they're up to is just go into the show notes and whatever podcast app you're on or on our website and all the links to connect are there I recommend following Madison on Instagram that's probably the, the best hub for connecting to all the things they're up to including the children's book work, uh, other literature that is available that they've created in the world that connects to conversations like the one we've had here, and um, also to their work in Los Angeles area and sometimes outside the LA area with holding spaces, puppetry, making room for grief. Nick Jaina. hello, how are
2: Hi. you? Hi, I'm okay. How are okay. you?
1: I'm okay. Yeah, I feel like very stressed. Mm. And, um, just feeling the end of the year and personally feeling pulled in a lot of directions, work-wise feeling totally overloaded, holding like lots of facilitation space this week, especially doing like the grief release and obsession with, um, some exoneree community from the prison program context, um, doing like interviews out of San Quentin for the new light keepers, a, um, new potential cohort of the suicide prevention group I facilitate. We've got an online open mic Thursday and I just like need to friggin' make toffee and buy the best gifts possible for my family. Um, and then feeling the wake of a recent loss in, in the cancer patient community that really has just landed on me real hard. And, um, And then some personal stuff that connects to that in my, in my own family. And I just had to stop this morning and say to the kids and my wife, um, Hey, I'm really sorry that I, that this won't fix what's going on for me, but I'm so stressed. And I just Mm -hmm. know that I've been, you know, impatient and frustrated and angry and, and just withdrawn. I didn't say that actually to them. I feel that with my wife. Um, especially, but just had to just apologize for it. And that was good. You know, it, 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 it helped in that the kids just like both immediately got up and gave me a hug. Um, mm. yeah. Um, and just feeling how much I'm trying to pack in and, and realizing like, as much as I love the work I do, I'm worried that I'm going to have that same thing that everybody says at the end of their life. Like I wish it didn't work. So hard
2: um, mm. <laughs> uh, that's that's where I'm at, yeah, but do you have trouble delineating work from you know I, like a lot of your work is really fulfilling? I know it can be overwhelming, but it also like involves friends like i 'm a person who's like become your friend through work, through really wonderful <laughs> things that we do together Is that difficult sometimes to um, delineate like what is work that is like overwhelming and what is, you know, just friendship. It's interesting that in the, in your list of things to do, you said making toffee, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> which I get it. Like, like when you just have a list and you're just like, I got to make the goddamn toffee. <laughs> <I> know, like, <laughs>
1: right. Yeah, it is. It is this time of year. The toffee is toffee's on it. It's on the list. Um, because I have to make a lot of ba- <laughs> a lot of batches. I make great <laughs> toffee from scratch. It's my grandma's recipe and um I make a lot of it and I love to, but it is on the to-do list. Um <sighs> Well, you know, as a good example for why it's so great, like you've heard me talk about and I've talked about on the podcast, like I can come do a podcast closer and just suddenly get this time to talk about what's really going on. And you're my friend and yeah. everybody I work with knows we make that kind of room. So it's healthy. Yeah. Maybe it's like a healthier version of, of working too much. Um I, th- I think what I'm noticing, especially with this loss in the cancer patient community, one of my um, patients died a couple weeks ago. Um, I'm just noticing the times when that happens. It's just suddenly a little more like a, lo- a lot um, to hold. Yeah. And, uh, I got to rush and move in. I noticed right to the next thing and the next facilitation and the next space like last week with this person and the community I, I'm connected to in a workshop that we all have shared weeks and weeks and months and months with this person's journey until they died we made a lot of room. It was really healthy and healing. You know, it wasn't like an working at a company where someone dies and it's sort of unsaid, or maybe there's a little acknowledgement in an email. And maybe at the most you're somehow invited to the memorial or your leadership makes room at the, at the company to acknowledge a death in healthy Mm -hmm. ways. In Mm -hmm. my work, it's like we make good room, you know, and we did. And like, I still got to move on into like, what's the next thing? I don't have time. And I feel like when I don't make enough time to cry and grieve and get my own expression of what hurts when these kind of things happen, I get stressed and it, and it comes out in in unhealthy ways. Um, I can feel myself inclined to like eating more sugar and drinking and, and I've been doing that and it's been fun. But I just also just know there's like fallout from that, you know. So all that yeah. is to say there's ways that my, to answer your question, like there's ways my work really gives me what I need actually, because of the work I do, there's healing that comes from it too. And because of the work I do, there's sometimes losses that probably the average person doesn't deal with as often as I do. And, um, that just kind of builds up, I think. And it, it just hurts more than it than anything else,
2: you know, is there some uh, part of you that's, grateful for like spaces like this. And like, I mean, I'm in oh, so many man. of the places that you go to, you can like process this, right? I imagine a lot more than waiting tables and trying to get <laughs> yeah, that right. processing with right. a, a random group of uh, people at a restaurant. Yeah, right?
1: That's good. You know me, right. I was like, I would go to that restaurant and talk about what's going on and cry in the middle of the restaurant, I can imagine. <laughs> you know, but other people and, and as many people as I've worked with in those other contexts over the years, I've met some pretty amazing people who could really like be with me in, in that inclination, you know? Um, but, but for sure, you know, I didn't know I was going to talk about all this with you. I thought we'd talk about like your favorite stuffy and if you still own it. Um, (laughs) and then, and then, and then I just answer my own question to you, like how I'm actually doing and, and I feel relieved, you know, like I cried a little, like I I feel like I'm decompressed a little And that, and that's, I guess in a way, the long-term, um, value of the work I do is that there will be places where it'll come out and I'm not the kind of person who turns it off you know my way in so often to other people like you today, and, and in my facilitation, is like through the thing I'm feeling. Like yesterday, I was doing interviews for these new Lightkeepers out at San Quentin, and one of the guys that's been at Lightkeeper already asked me about the interview process and said, Can you give me any suggestions on how I could be better at doing these interviews? And I just suggested some of what I'm getting at right now, which is I told them some of these questions, the way to get them to go deeper with you is to offer your deep answer to the question yourself. And, uh, that's like how the spaces I facilitate often open is cause I'm going there. Right. And it's how I feel like this I'm getting with you is more than we're getting something done on the to-do list. It's actually matters to me suddenly more than, than the podcast and some task I need to complete. It's like, I'm actually getting like a real moment with you. And I think my work's set up to give that a lot, you know?
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm in a similar boat where my to-do list is like, oh, I got to write a custom book for my stepson, or I got to, <laughs> you know, practice uh, reading my book so I can do this tea service or something, you know. And I, I think everybody deals with the to-do list like, oh, God, it's so long, you know. And then remembering that it's so much filled with things that I sought out that I wanted in my life rather than somebody like imposing them on me and be like, Jaina, you got to do all this stuff that you hate, you know? (laughs) That's right. Um, But I'm just saying that because I know that it's also hard that I, there's still a, just that human response of oh, why me? Why do I have to? <laughs> I can't just like lay still on a beach with you know mm-hmm. a straw in my mouth. You know I you know I want that too
1: sometimes. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, as long as there's a drink at the other end of the straw, um, you know it's like I want. <laughs> what else would there be? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you just like chewing on straws. Um, <laughs> okay, yeah, no, we relate so much in in these ways, and it is a part of I think the reward of having created careers out of what we love and um and for that i'm grateful for this is not a moment to complain i don't mean to about what's hard in my work like everything we do there's hard parts of it some more than others for some more than others but um you know like i have said this lately i wouldn't change any of it for anything i -hmm. wouldn't give up the grief and the heartbreak um this is all part of why I do it. It's like choosing life and choosing love and knowing that heartbreak waits for you Mm -hmm. when you do that. And and that's the kind of life I want to live. I just think I need to keep working on getting better at how to like, um, get my own personal healing, like keep to my not and not be hard on myself when I break my self-care regimen, you know, routines, but just, just continuing to feel that question. Like, how are you really Taking care of yourself? Can you keep doing this? Is it sustainable? Um, and what are you doing to make sure like this is a life's work you're doing? Can you do it for your life? Or are you like slowly, imperceptibly like breaking your heart so much that you're like burning out and just mm-hmm. won't be able to do it anymore authentically eventually? I don't mm-hmm. sense that that's the case right now, but the question's still there. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah.
1: I Thanks. Didn't expect to get that. Appreciate you, Nick. Yeah. Before we hustle out of here, though, I do want to know if you have a stuffy still or one that you want to name here that you used to
2: love and hold on to with dear life. Oh, of my own? Uh, I mean, in, in recent years, there's been Boeing the shark. Who's yes, been Boeing. <laughs> incredible. People are surprised to hear that he's an actual stuffy, but of, of course. He is. he is, of course. I've met him. Um, yeah, that that guy helped me through so much of the pandemic mm-hmm. and just like absorbing all of that fear and, and just, yeah, fear. Um, that's what they're great at. They're like little, little energy sponges that can help you through hard times. Mm-hmm. What about you? Yep.
1: I, I spoke about Kermit the frog, my Kermit the frog stuff. He's rather hard and a little scratchy, um, but I've had him since I was a little boy. And then the only other, stuffy I'll mention right now. I only have two that I've kept. Uh some that I imposed on my kids just to try to keep a bunch of my stuffies around because I had a big bag of them. Um, but they're just all so old and the kids just don't connect <laughs> connect to their dusty, uh scratchy fur uh like like I uh I maybe still do, but the pandemic stuffy is the, the Mm -hmm. netty bear, my teddy bear that I would Mm -hmm. have on with our online open mics and Mm -hmm. that would help me hug people, um, Mm -hmm. online to stop them from sharing or going over their time. So netty bear. Yeah. I got a name netty bear. I can see netty bear right now. Well, thanks, Nick. Grateful for you. Glad, glad we get to work together in these meaningful ways. Me too. And thank you, everybody. Thank you, all you dear listeners. We are so grateful for you, and hope this end of the year, with all the things you're navigating, ooh, hopefully there's peace and joy and gratitude and connectedness um, and healing in there, mixed through it all. Talk to you. Talk to you soon. Talk at you soon. Edit this part out, Nick. It was so. It's just such good flow. Until then, nope. Stays. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, fire everybody.